Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health topics most of us are wondering about, but very few of us are talking about. Welcome, and hope you're well. This episode is called The Birth Control, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know, and in it I'm going to cover all the different options currently on the market in 2018. I'm going to discuss the pros and cons and the myths of some of these, and then I'm going to answer some of the most common questions on birth control that I get from my patients in the office. So I hope that you learn a lot and that this really sheds light on a lot of the questions that have been roaming around about birth control. The way I'm going to structure this is I'm going to start by talking about the most effective forms of birth control first and going down by tiers. So the two most effective types of birth control are called long-acting reversible contraception or a LARC. That's what we call it in the medical terms for short. The two big categories are intrauterine devices or IUDs and then the Nexplanon. So you may have heard of those or those terms before. IUDs are one of my favorite forms of birth control because they are really so convenient, they're really highly efficacious, and they have a lot of benefits. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about the three different progesterone-containing IUDs that are on the market. So you may have heard of these before. There's the Morena, which lasts for five years. There is the newer Kylina, which lasts for five years. And then there is a very popular Skyla, which lasts for three years. There may be some other forms of IUDs on the market as well. Those are the common ones that I tend to use. There's so many benefits of the IUD because it's so convenient. For starters, once the IUD is placed, you don't have to remember to pick up a pill at the pharmacy. You don't have to remember a certain time of day to take it. You don't need to store it, and it's just really so convenient. It's also more efficacious than even having your tubes tied. Now, both of these are really good at preventing pregnancy, but tubes tend to find themselves again, and so the IUD is even a little bit better at preventing pregnancy than actually getting your tubes tied, so it's a really fabulous method. What's really nice about the IUD is it releases progesterone locally to the uterus. What that means is you're not getting a large systemic dose of progesterone like you would be if you were taking other forms of contraception, like the Nexplanon, the Depo injection, or even birth control pills. So the progesterone is released locally to the uterus, and what this does is it thins the lining of the uterus. And what that means is when the lining of the uterus thins, there's nothing that builds up and there's nothing that needs to shed. That's why most people on the IUD do not get their periods or if they do have a monthly period, it's very, very light, maybe down to one or two days. And this is also safe. So a lot of my patients always ask me, is it really safe not to have a period? And I say, yes, 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 yes. It's really, really safe not to have a period. We're just very ingrained that you know having periods is a good sign of health. And while that is true, under the circumstance of the type of medication or the birth control that you're using, if you're not getting your periods, it's probably making your life much easier and it is very safe. The, the uterus loves progesterone. I always tell my patients it would bathe in progesterone if it couldn't. And actually, that's kind of what it's doing. It's a good metaphor for what the IUD is doing. It's releasing progesterone just to the uterus. And actually, we've seen that then this decreases the risk of uterine cancer when used for more than five years. So the IUD has many benefits. Let's summarize. You can have no periods or very light periods. It decreases the risk of uterine cancer. It's very convenient. You don't have to remember to take a pill every day. 
and it is so highly efficacious. You don't need to use any other type of barrier method with the IUD. It also works pretty quickly, meaning you don't have to use another backup form for another month. And there's also no delay in fertility. So a lot of my patients will ask me, you know, Dr. Hirsch, I'm really interested in having a family in a few years. Would an IUD delay or, you know, cause issues with my fertility when I want to take that IUD out? What's really interesting about the IUD is you still ovulate when the IUD is in place. So this gets into a little bit of then, well, how does the IUD work? So you still ovulate. So when we take the IUD out, you've been ovulating the entire time. That means you're going to go right into the pattern of ovulations that you were having before you had the IUD placed or while the IUD was in place. All right, so how does the IUD work? That's the next question. So the IUD works by increasing the cervical mucus and changing the pH so that when sperm enter the uterus, they really just can't hack it in that environment. So it doesn't, it's it's a myth that, you know, it doesn't um, cause an abortion. It doesn't cause fertilized embryo to not be able to implant. Those are sort of older hypotheses on how the IUD worked. We actually really now feel more confident that the IUD works by changing the pH and this increasing the cervical mucus. Other myths of the IUD that you may have heard of. So another big myth is that the IUD can cause uterine infections. And this is untrue, especially with the IUDs that we're using now in 2018. This myth probably stems from many decades ago when the strings of the IUD were made from different material. And those older strings did increase the risk of infections, but these newer strings really do not. So you do not have to worry about infections. So a lot of my patients have older family members or parents who are very concerned about this risk because they remember it in their decade when this was more common. So that's really a myth. It's also a myth that you cannot use an IUD if you've never had children before. I've placed IUDs in many, many women who have not had children and never been pregnant before, and they did absolutely excellent. So you can never have had a child, and you are an excellent candidate to get an IUD. If you've never had a child, some of my patients do consider the Skyla, which is the three-year IUD that was really marketed to be used in women who've never had children because it is really thin. However, this doesn't mean that you have to use the Skyla. You can also use the Mirena. Now, the Kylena is a newer IUD, and it is about as thin as the Skyla, but lasts for five years. So a lot of my patients will ask me, which, which IUD should I get? I tend to favor, I will be totally honest, I do tend to favor the Mirena because it has a little bit higher dose of progesterone, and what that means is it's more likely that you won't get your period, which is really nice because if you're busy and you, you know, you've got lots of things going on, it's really nice not to have a period, and it's very safe. However, my patients will then wonder if they should get a five-year or a three-year, and I'll say if you're really not sure when you're going to have children, um, if you're um, not married, if you're in school, and you're really it's just not on your radar, if you're going to rent a car, just get the longer lease because we can always remove the IUD earlier. So, you know, I've put in many Morenas or Kylenas and taken them out a few years later. They do not have to stay in the full five years. They can come out any time. The other nice thing about IUDs is because they release progesterone only, there is no estrogen. So these are great options for patients who have adverse reactions to estrogen. And what I mean by that is, say you've taken birth control pills and you felt like they worsened to migraines or they caused a lot of breast tenderness or some other symptom that you just didn't like. What's nice about the IUD is that it doesn't contain any estrogen, so you might not have those same adverse effects. 
And also if you have a contraindication, meaning you, you can't take estrogen, for example, if you've had a blood clot or if you've had a lung clot, a PE, you can't take estrogen and IUD is a really excellent option. If you have um, any type of cancers, there's lots of conversations you might have between your internist gynecologist um, and oncologist about birth control options, but I do tend to favor the IUD because, again, it is the option that doesn't release any systemic hormones. It just releases progesterone locally, and then there's also the Paragard, which releases no hormones, which we're going to get to next. So let's talk a little bit about the procedure itself. A lot of my patients are very uh, interested or concerned about the procedure. Um, it's typically not as bad as they've heard horror stories of after they've had the IUD placed. So it's very similar to the setup for a pap smear. So you're going to put your feet in the stirrups and you're going to have the speculum inserted. And then I usually say next you're going to feel two kind of crampy steps. Your provider is measuring your uterus because they want to make sure that the IUD is sized appropriately for you. That can feel a little crampy, you know, oftentimes like a, you're having a really bad menstrual cramp. And I'll say, I know that was uncomfortable, give me, you know, 60 more seconds and you'll feel that uncomfortable cramping again. That's the IUD getting placed. And after that, you are you are good to go for as many years as you're going to have that IUD placed. Um, and it, it, a lot of my patients do not find that it's all that painful. It's good to have a really skilled provider who's putting it in um, at the at the time if you're really nervous about that or if you've never had children before because the cervix has never been dilated. That's what may make it a little bit more uncomfortable for you. I often have my patients take some Motrin before they come in and really Motrin or Tylenol even is all the pain medications that you'll typically need. Sometimes a medication called Cytotec is prescribed to help dilate the cervix. And this is a good medication if you've either never had children or if you're perimenopause, um, or you can even use an IUD if you're in menopause, and I'll answer that question in a second, and you haven't had children for you know two decades, you could use a medication called Cytotec. Cytotec is a medication that helps to, again, dilate the cervix. This actually used to be used for heartburn. It can cause some cramping the day before you take it, you know, the day before the procedure when you take it, uh, but it's typically not all that bad and it kind of is a little insurance policy that the IUD will go in a little bit easier. Your uterus has to measure at least five and a half to six centimeters for the IUD to be placed. There can be a little bit of bleeding afterwards, but usually that bleeding and that cramping tends to go away within a day or so. Now, prolonged period type bleeding, not bleeding from the procedure itself, is one thing I do tend to warn my patients about. And this is the way I ha I'd like to explain it. The IUD is sort of spring cleaning the uterus, meaning it's getting everything out of there. So it's really thinning that lining, which is why you might have a heavier period than um, normal at first. Now, the box says you can bleed for up to six months before you think to yourself, oh, oh my gosh, that's a really long time. I've really never seen anyone bleed for six months. The longest I've usually seen someone bleed for is about four to six weeks. So I think that pretty much covers everything about the progesterone-releasing IUDs. Let's move to the Paragard. So the Paragard is a 10-year IUD. It's a copper IUD. It does not release the progesterone like the former IUDs do. And the way that it prevents pregnancy is it... It, the copper actually works to create a inflammatory state within the uterus. Um, so, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an infection or cause any issues for you. But again, sperm, when they enter the uterus, they really just can't hack it in that environment. 
the procedure is exactly the same as the progesterone releasing IUDs. Now, the only thing about the Paragard that I tend to warn my patients about is that it doesn't cause the lining of the uterus to become really thin and it doesn't stop the periods. In fact, people sometimes have the opposite issue where they have worsening periods. So if you're using an IUD to try to stop your periods or you have already painful periods, I wouldn't probably recommend the Paragard because of those heavier periods. And in fact, that's one of the biggest reasons that the IUD is discontinued or that means people want to have the IUD removed before the, you know, 10 years is up. Now, 10 years is a long time, but they're not coming in to have it removed to have children. They just don't like the periods. It also doesn't have the cancer-reducing benefits like the progesterone-releasing IUDs do as well, so it doesn't have that benefit either. It is pretty convenient though. Again, you don't have to take a pill. You don't have to pick it up. You don't have to remember to take it. You don't have to remember to switch a patch or anything like that. So it has a lot of those same benefits. So I'm going to move on now to the next Splenon. The next Splenon is another long-acting reversible, highly efficacious form of contraception. And it also has the same really high rate of preventing pregnancy like the IUD does. And in fact, again, it's slightly higher than getting your tubes tied, meaning, you, you know, the risk of getting pregnant with this method is really, really, really low. So the next Splenon is a small, about three to four centimeter rod that goes in your arm uh, underneath your bicep. And the next Splenon lasts for three years and it releases progesterone systemically. That means the progesterone does affect the rest of your body, goes through to your whole body. What's nice about the next Splenon, again, the the pros are that it's really convenient. Again, you don't have to take a pill every day and you don't even have to remember that it, you know, remember anything. Most of my patients forget it's there. The cons are that it can cause some irregular bleeding. So some patients, when they have the next one on placed, again, don't have any periods for three years, so they're very happy. Some patients do get some irregular bleeding that comes sporadically, so they don't know when it's going to come. They could kind of be on a trip and get their period if they haven't had it in a while. That can be a little bit of a bummer. Some people don't care. They don't mind that it, they can get their period. They can roll with it, and some people really don't like being surprised like that. So it just depends how you think that you would react in that situation. The irregular bleeding with the next Splenon can be a big reason why it is discontinued, meaning it's removed before the three years is up. The procedure itself is also really, really simple. And some patients would prefer this as opposed to the IUD, which may seem uh, a little more invasive to some people. So if you don't want that invasive type of procedure, the next Splenon is a really easy procedure. All we do is we numb up your arm, and that's probably the worst part. That feels like a little bee sting or kind of like a shot that you used to get at the pediatrician's office. Once your arm is numb, we just have this really nice kit device where we just do a two or three clicks, and then the next banana is placed. Then we wrap it up with this compression wrap that you keep on your arm for about 24 hours, and then just kind of watch it in the shower for two or three days. There may be a really tiny scar from the nick that we place in your arm, but where it is under your bicep, almost nobody would know it's there except for you. All right, so I'm going to move on now to the Depo-Provera injection. The um, short term for this is Depo, and Depo is a every three months injection or a shot. 
Depo is, as the name sounds, just uh, Depo-Provera, which is a type of progestin. Here's a fun fact if you've been listening to this podcast. You don't need an estrogen for birth control. You only need um, a progesterone or a progestin. So Depo is just progesterone. It's similar to the Nexplanon in that it's a systemic dose of progesterone. But instead of it being in place for three years, you do have to come and have a nurse or a medical assistant give you an injection every three months. So you just kind of have to remember three months to get your Depo injection. The pros about Depo is that it can stop your period. This isn't always the case. Some people do get some periods, but a lot of patients, because the dose in the progesterone tends to be a, a little bit higher than in the next planon, their periods do tend to stop, but that's not a, a given. It could go either way. One of the cons about Depo-Provera that I think a lot of patients don't know about is that it can delay fertility. So I get this question a lot. Will this birth control delay my return to fertility? And none of the methods will except for the depot. And this doesn't necessarily mean it always will cause a delay in fertility, but it can. So I do try to ask my patients when they're considering trying for pregnancy or family planning, because if it is soon, I might not recommend the depot shot. Now, sometimes I will bridge my patients with one depot shot before they get their IUD. So for example, if um, one of my patients has an IUD planned for six to eight weeks from now, I'll do one depot shot so that she doesn't need to worry about birth control in that time span and we know she won't get pregnant when she comes in. So there's no concerns about putting the IUD in. And so one dose or a bridge of the depot is not going to delay fertility or cause any side effects, but prolonged use of depot can delay fertility when you're using it for about, say, one to three years. Another question I get a lot is, will this cause weight gain? And depot, again, is the only birth control that has been associated with weight gain, and we'll talk about this as well. So the weight gain that you see on average is about 10 pounds, but if you're already overweight or if you're on that border between overweight and obese or normal and overweight, you might not want to consider the IUD just because you might want to keep that weight down if that's important to you. So that's a little bit about the depo injection. Next, we're going to go to birth control pills. A lot of the things that I'm going to say about birth control pills are going to be the same with birth control patches and the NuvaRing. They're just different ways of giving you the same medication. So a kind of funny thing I tell my patients is if you like the NuvaRing, I say you could put the NuvaRing in your cheek for three weeks and it would do the exact same thing, but no one's going to walk around with a NuvaRing in their cheek. It just means it has to get absorbed subcutaneously, so we put it up behind the cervix. But birth control pills, patches, and the NuvaRing all really work the same. All three of these options have both an estrogen and a progestin in them, with the exception of one type of birth control that has just progesterone in it. So the mini pill, if, if you've ever used or heard of that. So let's talk about birth control pills. Right off the bat, I want to go over the myths about birth control pills because this comes up again and again and again. The biggest myth is that birth control pills cause weight gain. And really, we have demystified this, that birth control pills are not the reason that you gain weight. So the reason this association 
first became classified was a lot of women were starting birth control pills at the same time they were going off to college. And when you go off to college, oftentimes your your lifestyle changes a little bit. You're probably staying up a little bit later. You're eating different foods than usual. Um, you might start to drink alcohol. And so weight gain at that time was probably from just the changes in lifestyle being in college, but because it was the same time that people were starting birth control pills, that association became really strong. But in study after study, actually really feel that estrogen keeps the metabolism actually pretty steady. So it's not a weight loss medication, and it's really not a weight gaining medication. If you are really sure you've gained weight when you were on birth control pills, it may have just been a fluid retention, which was from actually the progestin, which may have caused some breast tenderness or a slight breast enlargement, or maybe a little bit of fluid in your legs. And that fluid retention probably put on a few pounds, and it actually probably is from the progestin. Another big myth is that birth control pills cause mood symptoms. This is a really difficult one to tease out. Recent studies have really shown again that birth control pills, when women were given either placebo or birth control pills, they experienced the same type of mood symptoms and they didn't know what they were taking. So a lot of times the birth control pills are not um, the reason for the mood symptoms. But I will say anecdotally, just seeing women for many years, some of my patients really feel very strongly it did cause mood symptoms. There could be some placebo, there could be some reality to that. So that's still a little bit of a myth that they cause mood symptoms. If, if it did for you in the past or you're worried that it would, you know, that's something you would talk about with your provider in the office. And oftentimes if you switch to either the transdermal approach like the patch or the NuvaRing, those mood symptoms seem to be less. So that's a little bit of some of the science that we have and some of what I see in the office. So the biggest myths are weight gain and mood symptoms. And, you know, really studies show that those are associated with birth control pills, if you can believe it or not. One of the other questions I get a lot is what pill should I take because there is a there is a ton on the market. And I really like to use a monophasic type of birth control. And that is a medical word. And what that means is that a monophasic has the same dose of estrogen and progesterone in every single pill. So a triphasic has differing levels of hormones in each week. And overall, women tend to do much better when their hormone levels stay steady. So how do you know if you're on a monophasic or triphasic? Well, of course, you can ask your provider. A quick way to check is triphasics typically are called orthotricycline or trisprintec. The word tri is oftentimes in the birth control pill. Or if you take a look at the actual pill and you read those estrogen and progesterone and not the fancy name that it's given, if there is three different doses or three different ways it's kind of written, that might be another clue that you're taking a triphasic. It's not the case that everyone does poorly on triphasics. It's really just that anecdotally, most women do a little bit better on monophasics because women actually do better when our hormones stay nice and steady. That's really actually the take-home message. All right, and then the next thing that I want to um, break down is how to not have a period on your birth control pills. And again, a lot of my patients will really be very concerned that this is safe. And I really can't assure you enough, it's definitely safe to take birth control pills in a way that you don't get your period. So to do this, you are going to 
take a look at your birth control pack and you'll notice there's that week of placebo pills or sometimes we call them sugar pills or the fake pills. Oftentimes they're different colors. So let's say your active pills, the ones that have the medication, the first three weeks are blue and the placebo pills are white. So as you get to the very last blue pill in your pack, I want you to throw it away and the very next day, take the first blue pill in your next pack and you keep doing that every single month. Instead of taking any of those white pills, those placebo pills or the sugar pills, you always take your active pill. And oftentimes this will, same as IUD, the uterine lining will become really thin over time. There'll be nothing that builds up and therefore there's nothing that sheds so you don't have a period. Now, Periods on birth control pills are not real periods. They're actually just a withdrawal bleed, meaning the lining is um, kind of sitting there and then that week you stop taking the pills, it's kind of like, oh, what are you doing? And it sheds. So it's really not a real period. When you take your birth control pills continuously, this actually decreases your risk of getting pregnant on birth control pills. So it's actually much safer and it makes your birth control pills more efficacious. The other nice thing about this is a lot of women will have symptoms the week that they take the placebo pills or the sugar pills, meaning they will have menstrual migraines or migraines that spike during that week, mood swings or mood symptoms, acne or other symptoms. And when you skip the placebo week, you keep the hormones nice and steady and a lot of those symptoms tend to go away. So I really can't encourage you enough to try to take your birth control pills continuously. A lot of my patients will say, but Dr. Hirsch, if I don't get my period, how will I know that I'm not pregnant? And I'll say, listen, if you're using that as a way to make sure you're not pregnant, this is much more effective in reducing your risk of pregnancy. So you shouldn't be, you know, making, using that as your way of checking that you're not pregnant. Birth control pills are also really excellent for anyone who has a diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. So if you have PCOS, if you think you might have PCOS, that's a whole nother episode. But birth control pills are really good for PCOS. They stop the ovaries from having a lot of cysts. And birth control pills are also really good at reducing acne. And the way that they work is they lower the free testosterone. So testosterone, if you think of young adolescent boys who have lots of testosterone and lots of acne, testosterone typically is what causes that cystic acne or those um, sort of big painful pimples. And by lowering your free testosterone with the birth control pills, that can definitely decrease your acne. Lowering your free testosterone may also lower your libido, and not always, but if you do notice that your libido or your sex drive has decreased, it could be the birth control pill. So we've talked a lot about birth control pills. We've talked about the myths. We've talked about monophasic versus di or triphasics. We've talked about taking them continuously and um, how they're really effective for people with PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, and they help with reducing acne. A lot of these same principles apply to the patch and the ring. In fact, most of them do. Now, the patch, and the if you don't want to get your period on the patch, you simply put a new one on every single week instead of having a week where you don't wear a patch. And the Nuva ring, instead of putting it in for three weeks and then taking it out for one week, every three weeks you just put in a new Nuva ring. And those same principles apply. It decreases the risk of getting pregnant and it decreases those PMS symptoms that you might have the week of that placebo. 
So that's a little bit about birth control pills. I hope that answered some of the questions that you might have. Lastly, there's the barrier method. So that's going to be diaphragms, condoms. Um, now, diaphragms have definitely fallen out of favor. In fact, in the last six years, I have not fitted anyone for a diaphragm. The diaphragm has to be put in manually before intercourse and stay in for several hours afterwards. Condoms you're probably very familiar with. Those are a barrier method. But the thing to know about condoms is that the failure rate is somewhere in the high 70s to low 80s is what I tend to, the number that I tend to use. So condoms, you know, are not foolproof. They definitely can break, um, not be used correctly, and other issues. Spermicide is often used with condoms. That definitely will increase the efficacy, but still not as much as being on another method like either the pill, the depot, or the most effective, the long-acting reversible contraceptive methods, the Nexplanons, or the IUDs. So there's other ways to prevent pregnancy with sterilization. So of course you can have your tubes tied. That's a permanent procedure as well as the Esure procedure, which is also permanent. And for this procedure, you would need a small procedure where you're probably put to sleep um, or if it's done in the office, you're made really sleepy where coils are inserted into the fallopian tubes. It's basically a way of sort of tying the tubes without actually having to make an incision in your belly button. Family planning, the last sort of method used really successfully by a lot of my patients. And what family planning method is, is avoiding intercourse the week where you're ovulating. Now, this method's going to work really well if your periods are in any type of regular pattern so that you know the weeks that you're ovulating. And one option is to actually use a fertility app and um, track your periods. And what the fertility apps will do is they will highlight the week of your, of your ovulation so you're most likely to get pregnant. So those are great if you're trying to get pregnant and if you're using family planning, you know that is the week that you are going to avoid intercourse so that you don't get pregnant. So things really to consider is, you know, if you're ready to have children or not, that will affect the type of medications that you want to be using, whether the most effective or some of the lesser effective methods. And another big consideration is if you have any comorbidities or other medical conditions, such as hypertension that's poorly controlled, diabetes that's poorly controlled, lupus, or other things like seizures, you definitely want to seek counseling before you get pregnant because you want it to be under your terms. And you want to have a really controlled environment when you do conceive. So if you have any of those conditions, you really want to consider being on contraception to really make sure you plan and you know when you're going to get pregnant without any surprises. And lastly, just a fun tip. Yes, you can use an IUD if you're in menopause. And why can you use an IUD? So if you're in menopause and you have an intact uterus, you need to take estrogen and progesterone. Some of my patients don't like the oral progesterone. It either makes them too sleepy, it causes some fluid retention, or maybe some mood symptoms. So if you put in an IUD, that IUD releases progesterone just to the uterus, which is where it needs that medication, and then all you need to do is orally take the estrogen. So that is a fun fact if you've made it to the end of this podcast. So thanks so much for listening. I hope we answered some questions you've had about birth control. I hope we've answered all your questions. And if there's something that I left unanswered, please feel free to message me, email me, send me a comment so that I can answer those for you. 
Have a wonderful rest of your day and thanks so much for listening in. Bye.